Hey everyone, I'm Lady. And I'm Alana. And, and this, this is Spookery. Welcome! Welcome everybody to our season one postmortem. Yes, aka our recap. It's finally happening. <laughs> it's finally happening. I'm so sorry, guys, that it, it took a hot minute for this to come out. We had a, a, a just a flurry of scheduling issues, and life got in the way, but we're here. We have our notes. We have our cases. We have our, our nostalgia. We have our memory lanes all lined up, and we are ready to talk about season one. Yeah. Just go back over pretty much everything we did, dive back in, talk about our favorite moments, talk about some of the things that we need to correct, maybe dive back into some of the questions that we had during the season itself, and maybe see if we have any answers to those questions. So it should be a pretty fun episode. It should be. It'll, it'll, it's, this is going to be a bit different from our, the rest of the season, of course, because we don't have any like structured scripts. We just have a bunch of corrections, questions, answers back and forths. So this will be more of like a conversation episode. So if this isn't your cup of tea, we have plenty of really, actually thoroughly researched episodes in our archive right now that you can go listen to. Um, yes. Also, spoiler alert, guys, this is our recap episode. <laughs> that means we will be recapping every episode that we have done, which means that there are spoilers ahead. We will be ruining the plot twists and the fun adventures we will it's it's literally just going to be the spark notes of spookery right now so if you do not want things spoiled i highly recommend going back listening to each individual episode they're all amazing there's something for everyone um and if there are episodes that you couldn't listen to because they weren't your cup of tea i'll also put timestamps down below so you can see when we talk about particular episodes but yeah just keep in mind that we will be spoiling things and we will be talking about every single episode today yes and with that being said, just like you said, because this is not only a recap episode of everything we've done and more of a conversational piece that we are going to probably hit some things that potentially will be a trigger warning, but we don't know exactly when those timestamps are, so we can't let you know at this moment, but we'll mark it in the after production, like you yes, said. Yes, I will, I will flag whatever trigger warnings happen as well as whatever episode they belong to, just so you know what we're getting into. But I think without further ado, shall we just start recapping? Yeah, let's just get into it. Let's talk about these episodes. Okay, so stepping all the way back in the Wayback Machine, let's talk about our episode one, History of the Ouija Board, our first ever episode. That, it literally feels like a lifetime ago. It's it's wild that that is still part of season one. I, I know, like that one, I, this was this was our first like proper episode and I, we had no idea what we were doing. This was my episode and I was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Um, I remember being like so nervous for this one. So I think I, my voice, I think I edited out a lot of voice shaking. <laughs> um, That's fair. But yeah, this was also our first episode where we had cut content. There's a whole ass deleted scene oh, wow. for this episode that did not release with the episode because the episode was too long because I have problems with episode length. And that was, did, little did we know that that would be a reoccurring that theme. That literally was the theme of the uh, the season is that Lady has issues <laughs> with episode length. So this one, I think when we recorded it, it was almost like, it was like two and a half hours. And so oh I had gosh. to cut out 30 minutes to get it into like an appropriate time that I could actually publish. So we have this yeah. whole last deleted scene for this episode that maybe we'll release one day. Um, 
but it was a chunk of information that wasn't really relevant to the story that I was telling. So just lobbed it out, stitched everything else back together. Man, totally fine. I, I got to go back and listen to the deleted content just for myself selfishly. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you like it, maybe we'll release it to the public. Um, I think it was just a bunch of newspaper articles related to the Ouija board. So if that's something that you guys would be interested in, uh, I've still got it. It's still in my hard yeah. drives. Um, but yeah, it's basically me just going through a bunch of newspaper articles, me being nervous in my first ever episode, being like, uh, and then there's, uh, this newspaper that came out and, um, a Ouija board. <laughs> I mean, the episode was very thoroughly researched, man, and it was a wonderful episode. And it really did, like you said, it was the first one. We had no idea what we were doing, but you really, like, you created the format of spookery, of how we... You know, I I took the way that you did your episode, and I tried to mimic that when I did mine. So bravo to you, ma'am. It was a great episode. I, I think we really, we, we, I don't know, we just came up with a good rhythm with that one. Our banter was on point. Like, you, I was so nervous when we started, and then as soon as you started, like, bantering with me, I was like, oh, I don't need to be nervous. This is, like, <laughs> a, lot, a lot has got me. Like, I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> That's all this is. It's just two friends. You got a story for me, and I'm just your captive audience. That was it. That was it. And yeah, that was the beginning of something beautiful, truly. And that we have. Um, I don't think I have any particular corrections for this one. It was so long ago. I don't think I said anything wrong. I did see that some people pronounce Kennard's name differently, and I have no oh. idea what the correct pronunciation is. I say Kennard, but I've also heard Kennard, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Kennard. Kennard. Not at Bernard. all. No. Bernard. <laughs> Kennard. Oh my gosh, I don't like that no. at all. That makes me uncomfy. I, I heard Kennard after I had already released the episode. We already published it, so I was like, is it Kennard? And I and I truly don't know. I've been to the Ouija board museum, and they never mentioned Kennard at all, so... Man. I mean, if that is the way, like you said, I'm just, I'm so used to hearing it and saying it the one way that I just can't, like, my brain doesn't like it the other way, but I, I just give it, give it some time. If that is the pronunciation, I'll learn it. Yeah. Please let us know. If Kennard. you guys know what the correct pronunciation of Kennard slash Kennard's name is, let us know. But yeah. right now it's, it's cemented as Kennard because I think that's just how my brain read it. Um, oh, I also would like to apologize during that episode. I said at the beginning, it's Chestertown. And, but because I'm originally from England, I read it as Chesterton. And I said Chestertown ah. for most of it, and then at the very end, I slipped up and said Chesterton. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There's that. There's that correction. Um, no, that's a. But I think that's a good. I think one. that's all of the, like the the, the eyebrow furrowing for that one. I think the biggest thing that came up with that was what's up with Hasbro. What's Hasbro? That, literally, that is all my notes, too. So I'm really glad you brought that up because it's like, ask for an update on Hasbro. What the heck is going on with Hasbro? So What's up with Hasbro? I have checked in every week since that episode, since we recorded the episode. Every week, I have checked in on the Hasbro online store to see if Ouija boards back up. And as of this recording, they have never come back. Ever. They're still not back up. The online store has, they're, they're permanently down. If you Google Hasbro Ouija board, you can find the game instructions and they're literally listed as Ouija game. So they it, they really put a lot of emphasis huh. on the fact that this is a fabrication that Hasbro has, but you cannot buy yeah. the boards on their online store. You can buy Hasbro type Ouija boards on Amazon. You can buy them at Target. You can buy them in other retailers, but the Hasbro online store does not sell them anymore. As of this recording, we'll let you know if they come back. I keep looking. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm. Sh- I was really convinced by the time I was like, all right, this has to just be a temporary. Like, they're out of stock. I know wood was like really, you know, a hard thing to come by. It got really pricey during like COVID, after COVID, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So like, maybe there's just like something with like this is just not like a necessity item or something. I don't know. I don't know. I was trying to justify the reason that it could be out of stock for such a long period of time. Not even out of stock, but just completely removed. I, and the fact that it just is not back. I think with Hasbro, by the with the time that the Ouija board went down, because I when I was started my research, the Ouija board was still up on the online store and it went down while I was doing my research. So, you know, fun twist of fate. Yeah. But at the same time that that went down, they had this huge push with D&D, which is also a Hasbro licensed thing. I don't know if you remember. Um, mm-hmm. But during the time that our episode came out, um, Hasbro and D&D were doing something weird where they were changing, like, the copyright rules of, like, who, like what Hasbro controls of, of D&D. Basically, they were like, if you have any yes. idea for D&D, it belongs to Hasbro now. Yes. Sorry, everybody. And, like, people were, like, losing, losing their shit. I was upset for a while. I can't, so long ago, I don't remember, like, exactly my feelings at the moment, but it was a while. Um... But yeah, there was this huge push that Hasbro was really like doubling down on Dungeons and Dragons and that sort of module for tabletop role-playing games. So maybe they were just hmm. shifting their focus from like spooky fantasy possible board game, actually maybe a portal to hell, to here's this fun whimsical thing that people played in the eighties as well. Yeah, so. interesting. Okay. That is a good like you said, good line of thought. I'm not sure exactly like uh, who knows what's going on behind closed doors in a company like Hasbro, but oh, yeah. It is fun to speculate. Yeah, I also know that they're updating a lot of their cover art for their board games right now because I go on the online store so often. So I think I mentioned during the episode that Clue um, was like taken down briefly to get a re like a like a re like model, all of that, and mm-hmm. it, surely surely it came back up and had completely new uh, art, new graphics, new styles. They have like a million versions of Clue now, um, but as of right now, Ouija board still down. Maybe they're carving rare legendary demon wood to make the new board games and it's just taking a while because supply chain issues maybe they're just not quite convinced that cardboard's the way to go but as of this moment as of this recording as of when I did my research for Ouija board it's not on Hasbro sorry thanks Hasbro wild well that was that was my only update that I really was I was hoping to to hear I was really like we could get our hands on an official Hasbro licensed Ouija board yeah maybe they'll be worth a fortune in a couple of years guys if you own a Hasbro Ouija board like Steal that puppy up. It could be worth like a hundred bucks later on. Truly, yeah. At this point, like you said, it's been a while. I would, I would just seal it just to be case. Yeah, just to be safe. Just to be safe. Just to be case. Just to be safe. <laughs> just to be case. I, was, I would seal it in a case just to be safe. That's what I was going to say. But my brain just didn't. It didn't happen that it's, way. You know, it's it's that kind of it's that kind of spookery night. Um, I think the only other thing that I wanted to say about this episode is I, I thought it was really funny because I, I really put my heart and soul into this episode. It was like two and a half hours after we were done recording and I had to like remove a bunch. And mm-hmm. I would like, I would ask my friends, I would like, I think I went to like a lot of different people like, what did you think? This is our first episode. Like, was it good? Do I need a feedback? And they were like, I really liked the part about the fertilizer company. And I was like, <laughs> the, the part. Every, <laughs> everyone did say that. Like, literally everyone. Every, yeah. Every single person has been like, man, the fertilizer part was really funny and I was like that's such an inconsequential detail 
<laughs> it, it is something that sticks out. I mean, we got like emails about it. Like there's things that like, that's just, it's so funny. Like how much research, how much like history goes into something. And then it's just like, yeah, but he made poop. He, made, like, he, he made, helped like, the plants grow. And it was just like, but sometimes yeah. people would come to me unprovoked. And it was like, man, I loved your Ouija board episode. The part with the shit was really funny. And I was like, yeah, oh my god, that is so uh, funny that you brought that up. But you're so right. You're so it, right. It happened to you as well, right? People like have actually got uh-huh. like addresses, like the fertilizer company. At least two. <laughs> At least two. The minute you said that, I was like, I had conversations about this where they were like, Yeah, like I started listening. Oh my gosh, yeah, and the fertilizer. And it's like, but why? Why is that what we all laugh about? So we're there childish. you go. <laughs> the biggest pull from our haunted piece of cardboard is the fertilizer company happened twice. <laughs> And it was just a shit business. <laughs> there you go. It's a shit business. So, yeah, but that's oh. that's the history of the Ouija board as of right now. Um, there's not really, really been much changes in the case. Um, the people who died are still dead. The ghosts that they communicated <laughs> are still in the ether. The demons are still trying to get through <laughs> the pieces of cardboard. So please, you know, follow the rules that we speculated at the end of the episode. Um, always say goodbye properly. Always say goodbye properly. Um, make your own. Apparently, yeah. that's the safest way to do it. Get yourself some crystals, smudge your board. Um, yeah, the smudge Make sure that your Ouija board is on a stable surface, either your knees or a table that you have checked the legs of. What are some of the other rules? I forget. Oh, there were so many. And there were so there many. There were a lot of rules, actually. There's like 18 rules. <laughs> Only 18? Uh, Only 18, she says. Uh, you know. <laughs> that's a lot of rules. There's a lot of things I wouldn't try if they were like, here's the rules, and there's 18 rules. I'd be like, it's too many rules. <laughs> I don't need to do that I'm thing. Not, I'm not going to follow that because I can't read. <laughs> uh, for reference, this script uh, for Ouija board was 17 pages long. That's something else we learned. Which means nothing. <laughs> which means yeah, nothing. exactly. We found that out very quickly throughout this uh, season as well, that page numbers are completely irrelevant. They are. Um, I think it, maybe it's fun to go through all of our scripts and say how many pages each script was, just so you guys can get like a, like a small peek behind the scenes. But I think Ouija Board was two and a half hours with the deleted scene, and it was 17 pages on my script. Oh, wow. Which I think should have been my first like indication <laughs> that things were going awry. But, uh... <laughs> We we did that thing. Oh man, okay. I've got my I've got the rules back up now. You were absolutely correct. It was eighteen rules. I thought so. I was like, I, that, that, I didn't just pull that number out of nowhere. I really thought, which is crazy because we ended up with eighteen episodes this season. Oh, everyone's a rule for which part. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I, well, I, a- I should say that the the there are eighteen new rules for Ouija board because there were six original rules, and then as the game has evolved over time, it's become eighteen. 18 different rules, I should say. 18 is too many. Be respectful. That was a rule. Uh, never use your Ouija board in your own home. Use it at somebody else's home. <laughs> that was a rule. <laughs> um, if the planchette goes to four corners of the board, you've been connected to an evil spirit. If the planchette makes a figure eight, you've been connected to an evil spirit. Please hang up and try again. All right. These are really specific. I know. I appreciate the warnings. And do not ask where the gold is buried. That was the most important one. Never, never ask where the gold... That's a whole rule to itself. Never ask where the gold is buried. They don't like it. Oh my gosh. You know, that sounds like a rule that someone who wants all the gold to themselves would make. You know? Hmm, Hasbro. (laughs) Right? They're just like, if we just tell someone, never ask them where the gold is, that means we can ask them and we can have all the gold to ourselves. Guys, rules were meant to be bent. So... Ask a little bit about where the gold is. 
Ask a let ask a little bit. Suggest just the maybe. location of the gold. Don't ask to write out, but like allude, allude to it. Yeah, like you know, make 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 educated guesses on where the gold is. All I can do is say yes or no. Just don't ask directly where it is. Char- charades it out, like, you know. Yeah. Dude, get get creative with these ghosts. Two words: movie. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, so there you go. That, that was our, our Ouija board episode. I think, yeah, man, it was a fun, it was a fun one. This is my only paranormal episode, and this is right like, after this. I got stuck in true crime hell. You did. Now that you say that, I'm like looking through all the episode names, and I'm like, you absolutely did. That was your only spooky. It was. And I just got spooky, spooky conspiracy theory, <laughs> Sp- cult, spooky, more spooky, more spooky. Yeah, spooky. Spook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a lot of spook. Which, uh, I feel like if you are concluded with your episode one, is a great segue into our episode I two. think so, too. I think that's, that's the history of the Ouija board. That's our, our takeaway from it. Yes. So our next episode, my, my very first episode that I got to do for season one, um, was spooky, spooky number one, uh, pyrokinetic poltergeist phenomena, a.k.a. some mysterious fires. Which... Fantastic name, by the way. Pyrokinetic poltergeist phenomena. Ooh. Ooh. I feel like I, I heard part of that on the I had it like from somewhere else. I'm not gonna take full credit for that. I'm like someone else gave help me with that from the internet. I don't remember. Who, <laughs> thank though. you, internet. <laughs> yeah, thank you, internet. <laughs> You're wonderful. So uh, every time I think about this episode specifically, I keep coming back to I don't have many corrections or anything that I had to like go over. There was nothing that I that I said wrong or misquoted um i didn't really have many questions for it other than the blue fire mm. how the heck i don't mean like the whole episode is about mysterious fires and how they started but all as i care about is specifically the blue one and why was it blue i also i hyper fixated on the blue <laughs> okay, <fire>. good. <laughs> uh, and i and i did i went i put my science hat like fully on like it was like i was like breaking through the top of the science hat that's how hard i was clenching it down and I did look up what can cause blue fire based, like, on a chemical reaction. Yes. So I do have some answers. Perfect. Okay. I don't know what the correct answer yeah. is, but I have a possible, possible two chemicals that could have caused this. Perfect. I'm going to let... You're the more sciencey one of the two, so I'm going to let you go first, and then I have one, like, little... If you don't <laughs> talk about it, but I think you will. Okay. So basically, cause I, when I remember when I was in the science class and being, you know, a dumbass... I remember that there were a bunch of chemical compounds that can turn fire different colors, and you can, like, buy them, like, as party things. You can throw them into the fire. They turn green, they turn purple. But I remember blue being copper. Because copper is a very, like, strong blue color. But I wasn't fully correct on this. I think in the episode I said it was copper. Um, So the two chemicals that I found that can turn fire blue is copper chloride or calcium chloride. Okay. Both chlorides. So it's maybe it's chloride. Okay. <laughs> um, so copper chloride uh, can be found in petroleum, textiles, metallurgy, photography, agricultural products, and as a feed additive or a wood preserve. Oh. Now, if we're thinking about this, possibly the furniture had been varnished with this sort of compound to like keep it going. And when the room itself caught fire, perhaps the furniture ignited and it is reacting with this this wood pre- uh, preservation or photography on the table perhaps maybe a fabric that had been dyed with this particular dye and possibly that's what caused the blue fire um the other 
compound that I found, calcium chloride, it's a food additive, a water treatment uh, solution. It's also used for refrigeration. Um, It's also used for um, road clearing, so like for ice or like debris. You can use this to like help clear roads. It's also used in cement, which is also a building material. So possibly something... I, I'm more leaning towards copper chloride than I am calcium chloride for this particular one, just because it textiles and wood um, uh, preservative. That's what's kind of flagging in my head. But, you know, maybe there was a water treatment happening here. Maybe there was a particular type of cement that was, like, reacting. Yeah. Maybe they were using, there was something <clears throat> stored in there. But, yeah, my, my instinct is that they either had maybe a fabric, a curtain, um, maybe a bed cover. Um, okay pillows or there was some sort of varnish on furniture that had copper chloride in it which in turn made the fire blue i think that's a pretty good guess like you said of just it's in a household everyday item that would be unsuspecting and caught on fire with the blaze and just happened to be able to turn the flames blue and I think this one was, this was late 1800s or early 1900s, the, the Blue Fire uh, one. The Blue Fire one actually was the most recent one. Let me check my notes real quick. Was it the, um, oh, was the one with the TV show? Uh, Chicago Fire. Yeah, yes, yeah, Chicago, Chicago Fire. Fire. <laughs> yeah, the Gallo family residence, yes. The Gallo, that was the 70s? Um, Chicago, Illinois, 1988. 88, Okay. Yeah, so, so pretty recent. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there it was. I mean, the '80s was also the time of like nobody knew what was going into things, yeah. and everything was made with asbestos, and you know, uh, some sort of cyanide was definitely in the apples for better flavoring. And this was, you know, I, I'm sure, I wouldn't be surprised if there were unusual chemicals and things that people weren't expecting. Yeah. So, so going back specifically, I'm looking at my script now that we're talking about this, and I'm going back to check. Um, I'm gonna r- read off exactly what I wrote. So the girl's room, because it was talking about specifically the the Gallo's teenage daughter, her room was supposedly pervaded by a thick fog of white mist, which oddly stopped at the doorway. Within the room itself, they reported that the wall socket had been spewing out a blue flame. So it wasn't even necessarily like a full-on fire that had turned blue, it was just blue flames spitting out of the socket. So maybe, like you said, like a wall being treated with something, or just something being close by, and it it manages to hit that and turns the flame blue as it's spitting out of the wall. But also, one of the things in copper chloride that I mentioned is metallurgy, which, you know, metal wires. Yeah. Copper wires. So maybe, you know, these wires weren't insulated properly, or... If something wasn't quite connected yeah. and these 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 metals and these wire were heating up and spewing the blue fire, also possible. Yeah, especially if there was a so, you know a, a thick white fog, like a mist in the room as well. Like they, like you said, maybe it's a wiring problem. There's something's not right. Like there's this fog is coming from somewhere. Maybe this wire is literally like smoking and they're not realizing that and yeah. spitting out a blue flame. It's just faulty yeah, wiring. You can have like you can have pale smoke. You can have dark smoke. You can have. Yeah, I, well, it's stopping at the doorway, that maybe that's just, like, weird airflow. Maybe they have a fan in the hallway that's keeping the smoke inside that room because it's not a particularly forceful smoke. Maybe it's just building yeah. up. Interesting. I don't know. They said thick white fog makes me think slow-moving, mm-hmm. so heavy, mm-hmm. and it's not a forceful fire. It's just smoke. Exactly. It's just, it's seeping out of something. So. Exactly. But also, I'm not an expert on this at all. I do not have a degree no, in this. No, nor um, were we even... These are just, these are really brief Google searches of like, what caused blue fire? Exactly. Nor were we even there as firsthand, you know, witnesses to this. As I'm going off of like, you know, this is handed down t- 
testimonies from so many people. I'm like, I, I think this is what happened. So we're doing our best yeah. with what we have. But it's, it, it's definitely one where it very well could be just a weird chemical compound that a couple of things were mixing. Maybe it was a, a, an artificial copper chloride that was being mixed, copper wires mixed with something else that was supposed to be the installation. I mean, they used to use petroleum as a waterproofer for circuses. So, like, hmm. the choices were made back yeah, then. Yeah, interesting. So that maybe things that weren't supposed to be mixed were mixing just because they were efficient at one thing, but they weren't really thinking about the second thing that they were also really good at, as in catching fire. Yeah. So that could be a thing, but also we don't have a clear answer. Maybe it was just really angry ghosts who were like spitting hot fire out of the walls. Yeah, or uh, yeah, you just have no idea. Um, but that was one of the, the questions, like you said, that I I just really had from this episode. And it, as I was researching, I don't have a good as a science at as you, ma'am. I, I'm a simple Western lady. But uh, <laughs> you are welcome to borrow my science head at any given time. I like time. when you when you learn me a thing instead. But I, I am bringing one thing to the table. In your research, did you happen to come across the Blue Fire Volcano? No, I did not. I didn't know there was a Blue Fire Volcano. Please tell me more. Yes. So that is, like, as I'm, like, researching, I'm like, Blue Fire. Like, does this happen anywhere else? And this is apparently a naturally, like, occurring thing. In um, Indonesia, I believe it is. The Ejen okay. Volcano Complex is a group of composite volcanoes located on the border between... I'm going to mispronounce this. Banyuwangi Regency and Bondowoso Regency of the East Java, Indonesia. It is known for its blue fire, acidic crater lake, and labor-intensive sulfur mining. And I'll share you some okay. pictures of this thing, because it's wild. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I've never heard of a blue volcano. I do know that um, flame color is also affected by flame heat. Mm. So like a regular fire, of course, is red and orange. Um, if it gets a little bit hotter, I, I, I need to... Let me look up, like, flame heat color. Okay, so I'm looking at... Uh, just a quick chart. And yeah, basically it can go from, like, a very, like, deep red, which is, you know, like, embers, mm -hmm. and, like, things that are just igniting, to then get a little bit hotter, like, it turns to a red, gets more, like, like the red, the fire that we know, like a campfire, um, uh, that we can get like an orange flame. And as it gets hotter and hotter, it can go from white to blue. Okay. So like it can go from like red to orange, yellow, white, and then blue. Uh -huh. But like even then white is more like, it's really just flipping over to the blue. So blue fire naturally, like you sometimes when you see it in science labs, like if you use like a blowtorch, mm -hmm. there's a blue center in a blowtorch, mm -hmm. that's just because that flame is hotter than the red flame. Mm. Um, it also has to do with, like, color frequency and, like, light frequency, you know, different colors on the color spectrum. Um, what's the word? I'm, ma I'm making hand movements as if this, uh, this helps you. A scale? Um, no. Um, it's when the wave goes up and down. Oscillates. There we I go. would that's have never guessed for. that in a million years, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> that hand gesture. Oscillate. Yes, oscillate. As she says, fanning herself with her hand. When a when a wavelength oscillates at a at a fast, based on how fast it's oscillating, it can be a different color. That's how the color spectrum works. So, uh, I'm trying to remember which way is the most intense, but like basically, yeah. We perceive different colors based on how the light the light is oscillating. Interesting. Um, and so red and purple being on opposite sides of the spectrum, which is why magenta is not a real color. Uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful. Not it's not a naturally color. naturally forming color. Okay. It's not in the color spectrum. We just we humans invented it to 
stick uh, red and purple together on a color wheel, but color is more like a line. Um, but yeah, so when a when the heat is vibrating at such a high frequency because it's hot, it's going to emit a different color than a regular like campfire. So a man-made fire like a blowtorch or a welder, mm-hmm. they're going to be hotter than you know lightning hitting a tree. Gotcha. Interesting. So there's that. Maybe it was just a really hot flame. Yeah, maybe it was. Like you said, maybe it was. I, after seeing that, though, it made me question everything. So I was just like, man, this is just a naturally occurring thing out in the middle of nowhere. And it was just so strange. And I couldn't I couldn't explain it. So I'm glad I have you here to kind of shed some light on just it's just a really it's just a really hot flame. Hot it's just some really light. hot lava. <laughs> it's just really hot. It's just damn hot. <laughs> it's just so hot. That's just a really hot. It's just hot. I would have never guessed. Yeah. Turns out, guys, this is the the, the, the pull away from this episode. Is fire is hot. Fire is real hot. Be careful with it. Fire's hot. Pre- You're gonna proceed get proceed with caution. Proceed with caution. But yeah, that's that's all I had for parakinetic poltergeist phenomena, other than I really liked the name and it could be a chemical thing or it could just be a temperature thing. But yeah. it's one of those but we just don't know. Yeah, this is one of those unfortunate ones that we just don't know. But I didn't wanna leave it undiscussed. I figured coming back to it at least a little bit, talking about it, and talking about the Egypt the yeah. volcano was also pretty interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. Alright, I guess we're moving on to the true crime window. Yes. So let's talk about episode three, the Erdington murders, or the Erdington coincidences. Yes. I'm gonna be honest, I don't have a lot for this episode. This was the episode where it was the two crimes 150 years apart. Yes. One being in the 1800s, one being in the 1970s. Um, I do have a correction for this one that was immediately pointed out to me by my dad. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the episode, I said I did not know who the Moody Blues are, but I do, in fact, know who the Moody Blues are. I do know their songs. And the statement I said after I said I don't know who they are was they're great. And my statement remains they're great. <laughs> I don't know who they are, but they're great. They're great. Uh, very, you know, just they're just musical theater esque kind of just fun progressive it's uh, look them up they're great right. but i do in fact know who they are i just at that moment just forgot everything about music that i've ever listened to and it happens yeah think it yeah. happens so there you go there's my correction for the episode i do in fact know who the moody blues are perfect sorry well <laughs> whoops i feel duped <laughs> but i'm glad you corrected this because now i can rest easy at night yes. knowing that you know who the moody blues are i do and if you don't know who the moody blues are go check them out because they're great. Ferociously types in booty blues. Booty blues. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't have a lot for this one. There, I think there was one question that you asked me during the episode, and I just don't think I have. I can find the answer okay. to it. And I think during it was the second half of the episode, you asked me, "Are the Thorntons related? The two Thorntons on either side of the yeah. case?" Um, so it was Abraham, and I think it was Ian. yes. Ian's the first. Yeah, I think that name sounds familiar. Um, And you asked me, are like, are they related? I don't think it's possible to figure that out. Okay, Um, no family tree provided. But also, um, Abraham Thornton, the first one, he was basically banished from the UK, like flat out. He disappeared as soon as he left the UK. His entire like history is gone. Nobody knows when he died. Nobody knows if he made it to the United States. Nobody knows if he got married. If he had kids, he's gone. Okay. And I couldn't find anything about siblings uh, on his part. So if he had, like, a brother or uh, an uncle, a cousin, I couldn't find 
much. The only information I could find out about his lineage is who his dad was. Okay. And there wasn't much mention about his dad's family, his, his tree. So I think because uh, later in Bonnie and Clyde, there's another sword. Yeah. Movie, spoiler alert. Um, I think maybe it's just an eerily, suspiciously common mm-hmm. last name. Yeah, probably. But it's just it's just around people who do bad things. Um, if your last name is Sorton, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's not a reflection on you. You're the good one, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to judge you. I hope you're the good one. I'm not judging you. I hope you're doing good out there. And yeah, like we just unfortunately we found three bad Thorntons, and but I don't, I don't think it's possible to figure out they're related. I don't think it's fair to assume that they are. Um, I'm gonna say that they're unrelated, but I, I just okay. don't know. That's totally fair. I appreciate you looking into it, because yeah, that was one of those questions where it's just like, huh, that is really strange, and wouldn't it be even more of a coincidence if they just happened to be related? Yeah. So there you go. Now, that's really all I had for Erdington Murders. Did you have any questions for Erdington? Um, we'll re-record this if, if this is not an actual question. We can always cut this out and do this again. Um, we sure can. But... I thought that you potentially mentioned a third story that was, like, really similar to the Erdington murders that, like, kind of fit in line, Uh, and I didn't know if you maybe wanted to talk about that now, or if we wanted to save that for its own episode. So, I'm gonna say, well, let's save that for another episode, because I I think we we talked about this off the air. We didn't uh, listen to recorded conversation. But it was basically, I think I was telling you that I was, while I was looking up a case, what was I, I think it was my Hearts and Spades. When I was doing research for my Hearts and Spades category, I think I mentioned I found in Erdington a similar case to Erdington. Yeah. And it was, and I was very tempted to do it, but because I did Erdington earlier, I thought maybe we should do something different. Gotcha. It's not directly connected to Erdington, but it's a similar instance in a different <sighs> location in the UK. I see what you're saying. So it's, okay. Yeah, it's almost like a parallel case. It's not an Erdington case. It's a parallel case. I see case. what you're saying. And it is definitely worth its own episode. Gotcha. It's in my spreadsheet. It's ready to go. I'm going to save it for a time where we don't do a, a season that we don't have something Erdington-esque. Yeah. Um, and may the wheel be in my favor that I can roll it. Absolutely. Um, but yes, there are a couple other cases that are like this, that are similar, that are eerily like, it's not as, as strange as the 150 years apart with the names, yeah. but there are a lot of other strange coincidences, Man. which is why it's not as famous. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I misunderstood when you brought it up the first. I was like, if it's related, like this will be the perfect time, but no, perfect. Well, I was probably being coy and being like, I found a case, but I'm going to tell you about it later. That's, that's <laughs> totally fair. And here I am just like bringing it up, like, tell me everything. No, well, if that is the case, ma'am, I I don't believe I have any extra questions. I think you handled this case beautifully from start to finish. It was fantastic. And uh, I appreciate just going back over it and going down memory lane with you over it. Yeah. Oh, no, I do have one more thing. <gasps> we lied! Because it's just, it, it just smacks me in the back of the head because I remember if I don't bring this up, my mother will not let me live oh, this gosh. down. For Mama Spooky. <laughs> I said something. For Mama the Spooky mother herself. Yes. I think I said at the end of Erdington Murders that her, her family was trying to get um, Barbara Forrest's handbag back. I, said, I, I casually mentioned that they want her stuff. They want her cell phone. They want her wallet. But I forgot that this is the 1970s yeah. where cell phones don't exist. <laughs> so I am addressing that. I am sorry I said that. <laughs> that was the heat of the moment. I was thinking about them asking about it in that current period. But yes, she probably did not have a cell phone. This was the 1970s that this murder occurred. That's funny. I, I didn't um, even catch that. even still... <laughs> No, I. but as soon as the episode came out, my mom listened to it, she texted me, and she's like, she didn't have a cell phone, it was the 70s, and I was like, oh, whoops. Oh, whoops. <laughs> we're showing our age there, but... Yeah, whoopsie-doopsie. So there you go, I've addressed that for you, mother, that's for you. She did not have a cell phone in her purse, uh, 
But the point remains that the family should get the handbag back. It should be found. It's like it is theirs by right. It is. It's if it's not being used as evidence, if it's if they can't find anything else off of it, give it back to the family because there might be something in there, whether it's jewelry or a wallet or a keepsake or just a clue that maybe the family knows that the, the police just can't figure yeah. out. That happens a lot. It does. And so find it, please. Return it. But there's no cell phone in there. Yeah, no cell phone. No, that's... Wow, I can't even believe that both of us, you know, did not pick up on that at all. It really... It really shows our time. It was the heat of the moment. We were upset about the, the handbag. We weren't really thinking about the No, content. no, yeah. We were like, that's so funny. Wow, well, good on your mom for catching that. I'm glad we... Yes, thank you, Mother. <laughs> I have addressed it. I have owned my mistakes. And I think that's all I have for the Erdington murders. Beautiful. All right. Well done, just like the episode, ma'am. All right, so we are going to talk about next episode four, uh, which is my cult episode, Unseen, Unknown, Unheard, The Atrocities of Anne Hamilton Byrne. Another awesome title. It really was. You were like on it with these titles. So for fun fact for you guys, we name our own episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and Alana's were like so cool. And mine were like, here's the case. I, I love titling <laughs> things. I don't know why. It's like, I'm like, oh, the creative moment. But um, this was a, a real doozy of a case, truly. But before we get into any of the actual, like the meat and potatoes of it all, I have a correction that I want to get out um, and discuss. So I did miss a huge credit. I, I don't even know how I missed this because I truly took so much inspiration from this author's book. So huge thank you um, and apology to author Chris Johnston, who wrote The Family, The Shocking True Story of a Notorious Cult, um, which truly was a tremendous help to me during my research of the episode and was something that I pulled so much from because he really dug in his, like, dug in the dirt for this and just pulled out everything. So, like, if you are looking for any information about the cult, the family, Chris Johnston's really the guy to go to. Go read his book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually reached out to us personally just to be like, hey guys, and we were like, oh my god, we're so sorry. And he was so cool. Like, he, he was, was like, he was a goddamn delight to just swap emails with. So, huge, huge, huge shout out to Chris Johnston. Like, just truly awesome person. So, well, I'll post all of the stuff down below in the description. Absolutely. But yeah, go check out, go check him out. Absolutely. Yeah, and no, I'm really happy, like you said, that he did reach out and then we were able to correct that because he definitely deserves the credit for that. So, thank you so much, Chris Johnston. Thank you. Thank you from our bottom of our spooky hearts. Our spooky little hearts. All right. Um, and then that leads right into, I think, my biggest question that I had for this that I still need to look into a little bit more. That's what um, is <laughs> uh, about Sarah Moore. Um, and if her name was the name, that was her name that she was given. Sarah was the name that she was given at birth. If that was the name that Anne gave her or if that was the name that she picked for herself after that she was out of the clutches of Anne. So that is something I wanted to... I didn't have a chance to look up, but I want to do that right now. So if you give yeah. me one second. Unless you already have Absolutely. some answers. No, I, I actually didn't look into that. I was like, I think you like you told me like a brief solution like afterwards. And I was like, she's got it. I, I believe her. <laughs> I did look it up a little bit, but I'm like, I wanted to just kind of touch on it again. Because I was like, that's just such a good question. And I really don't know. Because she changed her last name, like... Yeah, it really seems like something that she would do as far as like really being able to like, no, this is this is my new identity. Let me stamp this. And but also if Sarah is what she used to be called. Yeah. And maybe maybe Sarah like was the name that she was like, she she only had Sarah, but maybe the more was either from her birth family or that was someone that she took inspiration from. It was just like a I was like, oh, I wonder. Yeah. Humpst, I wonder. 
but yeah, no, I will. We're gonna look. At, I actually have a couple of questions. This is this is the one where I have the most questions. I think I asked so many questions during this uh, this case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a bunch of my own points that I think I brought up during the episode. It was just like just things I wanted to, to know more about. Um, so yeah, we'll once we talk about Sarah, we can go and look at my page of, of questions. Yeah, I remember trying to look this up before and I couldn't come up with anything and I think I just gave up and I was like, I was really hoping that I could find something, so try, trying to even find an answer to that now. I'm finding all the same articles that I read through before and nothing new yeah. to really to solidify that answer for me. And yeah, and possibly we it's one of those things where we just don't know the answer. Maybe it was just a name that she really liked. Maybe it was her birth name. Um, maybe that's just a secret that left the world with Sarah, but yeah. But yeah, it was just a you know, your names are so personal. And especially when, you know, Sarah went through... She went through Helen back. She did. And but maybe with the forgiveness of Anne, maybe it was latching back onto her own name. It's like maybe, a, like, she... Anne named her Sarah Moore. And that was the only name that she had. And maybe that was part of the forgiveness. It's like, I can't hate my own name. Yeah. Because it's the only name I've got. Yeah. I do know she, the, the last name. Moore is something she did choose for herself. but Because okay. everyone else was Hamilton Byrne. Yes. It was it was Hamilton, um, but uh, Sarah. I just I could not figure out if the first name was one that she chose for herself or if that was just something she was given. I, that was just the one I could not find out. But I want to say it was the one she was uh, one she was given ha- because they made a specific remark about her changing her last name. I think it would have been noted if she did yeah. change her first name to Sarah. But I, I truly don't know. Like you said, and maybe that's just a secret that Sarah took with her, and that's okay. Maybe, yeah, and that's yeah, that that's complete. That's up to Sarah. And that's Absolutely. nothing we can falter for. And no, rest in peace, Sarah. Rest in peace. Truly, I'm just glad we were able to, you know, hear her story and, and learn from it in any way because yeah. it is something that I think is it's horribly tragic. But I think it's important to discuss these things. And oh yeah, I think this was definitely one of our harder episodes. Um, this was we have two cult episodes this season. This was the cult that really like. I mean, we had a whole, like, a long trigger warning moment for this particular episode. Yeah. Um, this was a tough one. And it was a really, really well done episode. I think this is still my dad's favorite episode. Wow. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's, it's, it's dark content, but it's an important story to tell. It's, it's a story that the person who, like, the person who the story belongs to can't tell it anymore. And the person who committed the crimes can't tell their story anymore. They can't, we don't, we don't know where things lie. We don't know if there's going to be any any conclusion from this because there's nobody left to pursue it exactly everyone so, everyone is pretty much gone from this and the people that are still around if there are any don't want to be found and that's completely okay and i wish them yeah. all the best yeah i mean that's the other thing is sarah's not the only victim because this was one of my questions going segueing beautifully into my page of questions that i have yes i think one of the the biggest things was i had um i don't think we ever talked about the proper follower count Mm, um, so I didn't okay. know how big the cult was. So I actually looked this up. Okay. Um, so we, we talk about the 28 children. There were 28 children in total. Mm-hmm. But there were also 500 adults. So mm-hmm. it's not that... It's, as far as cults go, that's not a lot of people. It's not yeah. a big cult. It's it's a lot of people, but it's not a big cult. Especially compared to like the actual amount of power that she had. Like You really think mm-hmm. that it'd be more people than 500 people, but she just had the right people. Yeah, she had access to the right people. She had access to connections through these 500 people like the, whoever these 500 people were whether they were like intentionally part of the the group or whether they were just like man like make her president she's so great about you know women leaving their husbands and pro lgbtq 
like, who, who knows? Because I'm sure 500 adults, are, like, not all 500 were just as evil as Anne. I'm sure the vast majority were just, they were just fooled. They were, ma- they were made to make decisions because they believed that Jesus himself, in reincarnated, was telling them that this is the way to go. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that the, the 28 children, uh, including Sarah all have stories. And I'm going to say at least 200 of the adults all have their own stories, whether they're behind Anne, whether they're like so remorseful and have been spending every waking moment trying to make up for what happened, whether they were in the dark and they didn't know what was going on, you know, whether they weren't even allowed to interact with the children. We don't know what the scale is. Every single person in that thing has a story. You're absolutely um, right. And, and some are horrible, malicious lies. And some of them are very like, I just didn't know. Yeah. So it's the I truth. Think that's, yeah, that's a, it's a it's a, a a strange it's a strange thing. Especially we don't know how many people are left. We don't know how yeah. many people are still alive. We don't know how many people have been arrested, yeah, or faced any sort of penalty at all. Um, yeah. So that's one of my things that I had to look up. No, I appreciate um, you touching on that because, like you said, I well, the minute you said that, I'm like, yeah, I remember reading that, but I guess I just never included that in my actual presentation of anything. But I do think that's really important to share, like just the truly how powerful like she was a master of manipulation of like she these 500 people were under her control whether they really wanted to be or not and yeah it's kind of wild and, the power and, they held and finding that 500 number it's not in every source that i found i think i looked through a couple of your sources too it's not in every single one so i yeah. don't know if that's a concrete number or if that's a guesstimate maybe mm-hmm. we don't know how many people maybe it was more than 500 maybe it never reached more than 120 yeah but it's speculated that there were 500 around in its peak so wow. No, I really appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you so much. That's, a, I think, a really important detail that I totally missed, so thank you. No, it was just, yeah, so these, I think these are a couple of questions that I might have asked, or, because uh, I remember, I think I said at the end of this episode, this, this is the case that haunts me. Yeah. Um, and it does. I, I, this one does, does cycle back in my mind because it's so dark. There's mm-hmm. so much darkness here. Um, so I'm going to go back to the beginning of my, my notes, because I just have a couple of questions and a couple of things I looked up, because yeah. I love the context, and I found more context. Let's do it. Okay. So, I think my first question that I had with this case was, what is a Bernardo home? Yes. And, and I actually looked this up for you. I Perfect. looked up in the history of Bernardo home because Perfect. I was, like, curious. Perfect. And I think we, we said it during the episode it was some sort of, like, foster home, which is pretty much true. Yeah, just a brief, like, explanation of it, like you said. Yeah. But if you did a more deep dive, let's hear I it. found out Bernardo home is actually a specific type of charity. And mm-hmm. it's a UK charity, specifically. It originated in Britain, but it opened branches in New Zealand, uh, Ireland, and Australia. Um, I also found out that each branch has a different slogan. Oh. Uh, Weirdly enough, the slogan for the British and Australian branches is Believe in Children, which I think adds a really sinister note to the fact that Anne Hamilton Byrne was in a Bernardo home. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. That is... that over and over again, Believe in Children, and... It feels kind of culty. Uh, yeah, and she took that to heart, and she was like, "Children are the answer to the future." Yeah, I mean, especially if you're if you're growing up in a charity, and they're going on and on about believing in children. I'm like, I, I'm not. Am I shocked that she wanted to surround herself with more children as she got older? No, not particularly. Um, Bernardo's also got in hot water in 2011 for uh, handling children right before deportation. So they were like the charity that was called in for families that were being deported out of the UK, Australia, uh, New Zealand, all them. Apparently they, I think it's a bit like the, uh, 
the U.S. deportation issues, where it's like the uh, situation that the kids were in was not great. Yeah. Um, in 2014 as well, all the way through to 2020, uh, Bernardo was under investigation for child abuse that occurred in the 1950s and the 1960s, mm. which is around the time that Anne Hamilton Byrne was in the yeah. Bernardo home. That's really sad and unfortunate. Yeah, so it makes you wonder, like if there, if she as a kid is being stamped with these believe in children mantras, but is also being abused. Yeah, maybe there's something there. I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't. I'm not going to diagnose from my chair, but that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but you know, it does it does raise some questions. Like if if Anne Hamilton Byrne uh, or Sevelyn, as we affectionately called her at the beginning Sevel. of the episode. Yes. If she was growing up and being traded through these Bernardo homes for a while, who knows what that like what that did to her? Truly, I mean, yeah, she she was rejected, like you said, from her own birth. Her dad left. Her mom just was like, nope. And I, I actually looked at her. Her mom was um, institutionalized. Yeah, that's she went crazy. She was the lady that uh, set fire to her hair in the street. Remember? Yeah, I do remember that. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I had forgotten up until this exact moment. <laughs> yeah, they, she she had a rough rough go of it at the very yeah. beginning. Like you said, we that's why we gave Sevelyn yeah little Sevelyn a break. It was a yeah. little a little harder to feel bad for uh, or to to really hold a child like accountable when they had not done anything yet. You you look at the yeah. kid who before the crimes and before the atrocities, and you're like, you know, you, you yeah. do feel bad. But yeah, suddenly a lot of like the Bernardo home stuff makes a little bit more sense just with like, okay, all of that family stuff was happening and then this foster home situation was happening. Yeah. Um, my next question that I had with this case was what happened to Anne Hamilton Bird's daughter? Yeah. Like the, just the, her the actual, bio, her oh. biological actual daughter and her, she was born Judith Harris with her, with the, uh, Anne Hamilton Bird's first husband, I believe. And okay. she eventually changed her name to Natasha Hamilton. Mm. So she eventually took on the second husband's name. Was Hamilton the second or the third? Bill Byrne is the third husband. Okay, so Hamilton must have been... Yeah, so she took on the second husband's last name, changed her name to Natasha. Um, all I know about her is that she's currently 75. I couldn't find anything about marriage or a career... Uh, she's currently 75. I just hope that she's living and lived a good life. I hope that she was able to step away from her mother and the cult and was not involved. I hope that she's thriving. Uh, I couldn't find anything that she has passed away. Uh, so my guess is that she is still alive. But it's also, it's it's a similar thing that we talked about in Hearts of Spades. Just like, you know, maybe digging that much up isn't good. And We'll leave her to her privacy. Yeah, sometimes I do think that is the respectful thing to do. Is I, I, I very much keep that in my brain. Like you said, as we do all of these episodes and whatnot, it's like where's that line of like respectfulness is to to these victims and the people that we are discussing. Of especially, I mean, it, whether they're past or still alive, there there is a certain level of like, do these people should we be discussing these things? Do people deserve complete privacy when it comes to certain things? But I do think. You know, in my own personal opinion, certain events and experiences, and it is a constant thing that you need to be evaluating and, you know, rejudging yourself on. I'm always open to constructive criticism on that, so. Yeah, and it's it's one of those that, you know, we'll always, every episode that we do of Spooky is we'll learn 
we'll we'll keep trying to redefine where that line is because sometimes that will deem something that is important but someone else will deem it unimportant or will deem something unimportant but actually someone will deem it like the key piece absolutely and, yeah and it, it's a bit subjective um it is but D- diverse think, perspectives make up you know yeah and i think because uh natasha natasha hamilton she was so removed from everything i don't personally think that she was involved i think she grew up she moved away she lived her life yeah and she was i don't think she was particularly involved with her with her mother's life with the cult yeah there's no indication that i could find that that was a thing so i'm just gonna i'm gonna let her live absolutely no you're allowed to respectfully speculate but i think they're like you said it's it's leave it at that digging digging and moving further and trying to go past that is definitely there's that line yeah um yeah that was all i had for natasha um this was a great question that i think me and my dad talked about because my dad like i said said before my dad loved this episode and one thing that was really shocking was how early sarah died and i think that's something that really hit a chord with me when we we were talking about it and it's it's a thing that you know, I, I think about. She, I think she was forty six when she passed away. Yeah, and it was stated that it was due to heart failure. Yeah, and this was something that me and my dad discussed. Was um, we were wondering if her death had something to do with her malnourishment and drugs as a kid. Yeah, and I think if you're growing up on LSD, if you're growing up on basically nothing but like boiled vegetables you're not getting protein you're not getting enough sunlight you're living in fear you're living in secrecy you're getting your hair dyed every every week yeah. you know i think i and i do wonder they were being tormented yeah if, if you're growing up abused if you're growing up basically trapped on lsd uh, and if, if i'm i wouldn't be surprised if that has something to do with heart failure specifically mm-hmm. and i think maybe like the stress of it all on top of that this is very it's it's uh in par with like Rajnish Piram with um Rajnish Osho you know he really deteriorated near the end of his life and it was a lot of like complications like medical complications mm-hmm. so I do wonder was Sarah's death partly at uh due to her upbringing yeah it's like you said I'm definitely not a doctor so it's it's hard for me to make any sort of an educated like assessment one way or another on that but looking at you know just as a human being it's like of course like you think these this horrible horrible situation that no human is fit for let alone a child mm-hmm. it's like a, how how could it not have an effect one yeah. way or another on her long-term health and it's it's almost like I, I wonder you now were the other kids who grew up in a similar environment did they experiencing experience something similar did they have heart issues did they have issues growing up with with malnourishment with getting off of lsd you know and you know they are 100 percent entitled to their privacy that's not a question i'm going to try and dig up but it is something just to speculate i was like i wonder and i i would almost put money on the fact that growing up abused and growing up with these really harsh need i say brainwashing techniques yeah did yeah did it contribute I'm sure it did. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, like you said, a pretty, pretty dark question, but definitely an important one. Cause I think it, it, I think it really did play into that. And it's unfortunate. 46 is such a young age. She, mm-hmm. And someone who was so curious, I mean, to go on as an adult, you know, and become a doctor after going through everything that she went through, like she, she clearly had ambition and she had, mm-hmm. but like, 
she really would have gone so far and she already had it is yeah. it's just oh. so sad to see that cut so short at such a young age yeah sarah moore was an incredible human being both in grace in intelligence in ambition in everything so you know even though her life on earth was very very short we can celebrate the life that she did leave despite the horrible upbringing that she endured Absolutely. along with 27 other children so yeah if you know even if like mistakes were made or there are decisions that any of them made that none of us can truly understand we didn't go through that exactly so. we can't properly judge we just have to no, you know we just appreciate judge. what they've been through yeah. and and celebrate what they accomplished exactly it couldn't have said it yeah. better ma'am yeah, so that's, I think that's all of my, like, f- fact notes, my context notes that I wanted to look up. I think so those are a couple of questions that I asked throughout the episode that we didn't really know. Okay. Um, there are two things that I, other also, also on my list. Yes. Um, so during the episode, you mentioned a documentary. Oh. We yes. didn't watch it. <laughs> we did not. We did not watch it. Um, so there is a documentary on this, but in that same vein... A miniseries about this cult came out this year. Oh, just this year? Yes, just this year. Uh, Last month, I believe. Uh, So the miniseries is called The Clearing. And it was quite funny because my mother found the trailer first and she said it to me. She's like, this is that cult you talked about. (laughs) And I I watched the trailer and I was like, I feel like this is the cult we talked about. (laughs) Um, so I believe this can- the miniseries came out May twenty fourth. Oh um, wow! I haven't seen I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, but the trailer, like, she, like whoever the actress that plays Anne Hamilton Burton, she looks like Anne Hamilton Burton. They they knocked really? it out of the park. She looks really good. So is it like it a looks- biopic? Is that kind of? I think I wonder. I don't want to say it's like a historical documentary like the one I watched for Rajneesh Puram. I think this is more of like a dramatization. Okay. I think it's loosely based off of the family more than it's an accurate representation of what life was like. But I think it's more of like a psychological thriller of what it was like to be in the family. Yeah. Okay. But it's definitely based off the family. I did look that up. It is a. It is confirmed to be based off of uh, the family. I think it's also based off of the book that uh, Chris Johnston wrote with uh, somebody else. I believe. Wow. Rosie Jones. Rosie Jones. Rosie Jones. They, wow. they, they co-wrote the book, The Family, The Shocking True Story of the Notorious Cult. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so shout out to both of them. Um, I believe them. The Clearing is based off of the book that they wrote. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, that's out. If you guys want to, uh, more information or watch a dramatization of this cult, you can watch The Clearing. There's also an actual documentary that we haven't watched, but maybe we will. And I think I want to end my very long page of <laughs> this and get out of here with a, a quote from our beautiful beautiful friend Sai because when this episode came out he sent me this quote and I was like I need this I'm going to read this out so shout out to you Sai yes um, Sai wrote despite how cruel and horrible things can get there's always one tiny thing that breaks through the blackest darkness and makes everything right again and we tend to forget that and I was like bam Sai you motherfucking genius so there you go I thought it was a really, really good quote for this, this episode, this, this, the cult. Yeah, that is beautiful. Man, Sai coming through once again, our beautiful Sai. Thank you, Sai. Beautiful Sai. That's it. That's all I have for Anne Hamilton Byrne. Same Um, here. I think that's a great way to, to end that up and take us into our next episode. Oh, I think you mean next episodes. I do mean next episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Going on for three episodes. Oh, so this... We're, we're moving on to episodes five, six, and seven, oh because goodness. this was really the beginning of my episode issues. 
<laughs> she let all the episodes. She took out her frustration of not being able to two-parter uh, on episode one, and she took that out in episode five, six, and seven. She's yeah, like, I, I took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> so let us talk about the Ballad of Bonnie and Clyde, my three-part miniseries that maybe should have been its own season. <laughs> yeah, literally, but it was so beautiful. I loved it. I just there's a special place in my heart for Bonnie and Clyde. Ah, <sighs> Bonnie and Clyde. I think that Bonnie and Clyde in and of itself was never meant to be what it was. <laughs> I never I never intended it for it to be a three-part sensationalist adventure. But man, what a fun adventure it was. I feel like that is the one that I truly learned so much about and that I kept comparing other cases to throughout the rest of the season. Like it was the focal point of season 1 for me. Okay. It All really right. like I, I just I loved it so much. It was such a fun ride and for me it was great. I got to sit back and I got to listen to you go for six hours. I was like, what what people pay oh, for it was this more man? Than six hours. I think like, we <laughs> talked for nine. Yeah, we were both, I mean, we, exactly. we talked for a long time. Uh, it, was, it was so fun. It was such a blast. Uh, I think Bonnie and Clyde is probably the one I'm most proud of. Because I, I think it was a really big challenge. It was yeah. a really big personal challenge. And I could have jumped. As soon as I realized what Bonnie and Clyde was, I could have very easily been like, nope, this is not, I'm not ready for this. But I was so like, I don't know, I got really into the story. And I fell in love with, I guess, the characters, the people. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't just about Bonnie and Clyde. It was about... Buck and Blanche. W- it was about Buck and Blanche. It was about WD. It was about the posse that chased them. It was about all of the officers that lost their lives. It was about... It was about all of these jigsaw pieces that just yeah. sort of like came together on their own and created this picture. So, yeah, I think the fact that I was able to get it down to six hours, I think we <laughs> talked for nine in total. I think the whole recording was nine hours and we wow. managed to get it down to six. But a lot of it was me going, did I say that right? Let me say that again. <laughs> um, but even then, with all with three hours of outtakes that I don't think are worth releasing to the public... Because there's no there's no deleted scenes. Everything that is in that episode is is supposed to be there. I think uh, all of the removed content was just mistake. I'm tumbling over my words and looking up pronunciations for Texas towns because Texas towns are hard to pronounce. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, but despite all that, I do have some corrections because I'm not perfect. Oh ma'am, that is. Uh, so the first one is in episode five, and I said prohibition began in 1999, and that is not correct. <laughs> 199. I can't believe I didn't correct you on that. I'm just like, uh huh, yeah, 1999. A few hours after, 19- a few hours, a <laughs> few years after I was born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so prohibition did not begin in 1999. It became in 1919. But I think my brain was like 1990, and there has to be something after the 19. <laughs> so I said 1999, but it was prohibition began in 1919. <laughs> Uh, so that's my first 1999 that's when prohibition began baby nobody can drink <laughs> it's beautiful oh my god uh, so that's that was my first blaring one that as soon as I sent it off I was like I think I said that wrong I think I, while I was editing it I was like did I just say 1999 can I dub that over can I re-record that and I was like no we commit to the mistakes because I'm not perfect <laughs> speaking of committing to the mistakes I committed to this next mistake I committed and nobody except for like, my family has called me out on this. Nobody has called me out on this. So shame on you, Spooky listeners, oh, for not gosh. calling me out on this. What? Benny Hill. Oh, <laughs> It's Benny Hill. Not Benny Hill. But every, in episode five, episode six, and episode seven, all three parts, I doubled down on the name Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill. Yep. I, I think in each episode, I said Buddy Hill three times. I think I said Buddy Hill nine times in total. I committed to this mistake 
And then as soon as I was done, I was like, wait a minute. I don't think that was correct. And then I literally handed it over to my dad to, to, to listen to proofread before we release it to the public. And he was like, you know it's Benny Hill, right? And I was like, the next two episodes after this one are going to be real tough for you. <laughs> oh so I said Benny I said Buddy Hill. It's Benny it's Hill. It's Benny. They're brothers. It's hard. You get them it's, mixed up. I do. They're they're yeah. There is they're just like uh, the Clyde and Buck. They're they're just they're there. Yeah. But also, I feel like this has become it's an ongoing joke where every time I make a mistake now in every other future episode, my dad's like, "You had a Buddy Hill moment, you didn't had you?" Buddy. And I'm like, "I sure did." So, even though I said Buddy Hill nine times, it's <laughs> Benny Hill. But you know what? I don't think we can let Buddy Hill die. So let's no. just keep Buddy Hill going. We got Buddy Hill forever <laughs> now. He makes our music for Spookery. He does. He's the he's the one that does all the music. <laughs> uh, my next correction. These are both both my last um, corrections are in episode seven. Okay. And I think I said that Clyde was buried with his brother Marvin. And oh. I remember saying that line. And I was like, "Who's Marvin? <laughs> Did Clyde have a brother named Marvin?" <laughs> and <laughs> but I was like- so tired. It was nine hours of speaking. I was really tired. I think I my I think. Um, we hit it really well, but we were also super slap happy during the entire recording of, of Bonnie and Clyde, yeah. and we just hit it really well. Um, but I remember saying that, like, Clyde was buried with his brother Marvin, and my brain going, I don't know who Marvin is. <laughs> I don't know who Marvin is. I have no idea who this Marvin person is. <laughs> Where did you get Marvin? And let me tell you, Marvin is Buck's real name. What? Buck's full name is Marvin Ivan Buck Barrow. Marvin so, like, Ivan. Clyde's name was Clyde Chestnut Barrow. Buck was Marvin Ivan Buck Barrow. That's too many first <laughs> names on top of it. <laughs> so, when I said Clyde was buried with his brother Marvin, I meant to say he was buried side by side with Buck. So, they were buried together. Gotcha. They share a grave. Okay. But I remember being like, who's, who's Marvin? <laughs> and I think I, I think I even in my, my script for episode five, I think I said, like, with the chicken heist, I think I was supposed to say he was with his brother Marvin, who was also known as Buck, but I think I just went immediately to Buck Barrow, and I yeah. never addressed him. So that's what I meant when I said Clyde was buried with his brother Marvin, he was buried with Buck, they were together, they, they lived on these adventures together, they died on these adventures together. Man. Um, so I mean, they did, but they didn't. He left his brother, so. Well, he left his brother to die. But yeah. also, like, it was either he left his brother to die or all of them were going down. Yeah, or they died of... together, like you just said. Like, they they, they crimed together well, and they died together, but they didn't die poss- together. Possibly. Or, well, like, maybe they would have been arrested. If, like, they'd all just thrown their hands up in the air, but, like, would they have all been escorted and Buck would have died in the hospital anyway? I don't but know. But also, Buck wasn't supposed to be there in the beginning. He was supposed yeah. to be on a vacation with his brother, and then they all just got tangled up. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, seriously, revisiting that entire thing is just... It's 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 a it's a wild. I think it's also it's a fun adventure because I think everybody knows Bonnie and Clyde, but nobody knew Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. So that one's been the one that I've gotten the most excitement from. We were like, oh my god, I know, like, I want to know about Bonnie and Clyde because I don't know anything about Bonnie and Clyde, but everyone knows the name Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, but and the story so. itself truly is it just takes you on this wild. Like it, it could be a mo- like the actual story because I know the the movie that is about Bonnie and Clyde is not this. Like it's no, not. It is. It is not that. <laughs> but this could be so good. I don't understand why this. <laughs> the actual story is not a movie. Uh, you know, I I feel like there's so that it, it's a people don't know what line to, to tread. I think we had we struggled with this when we were talking about yeah, it. Is like, are true. Bunny and Clyde bad guys, or are they unlucky? Yeah. And 
it's like how do you depict them like because they did do awful things yeah like that is did. that was irrefutable they did awful things but a lot of it was circumstance a lot of it was inevitability a lot of it was you know what was the alternative and it's the same with the posse that brought them down like they yeah they took down bunny and clyde but like were they in it for the right reasons yeah. did were they are they unsung heroes are they just vigilante murderers who you know someone wanted a, a nice little check mark next to their name because bonnie and clyde was annoying them yeah it's one of those really difficult stories to tell where there's not a real there's no hero in bonnie and clyde it's a lot of hooliganry it's a lot of shenanigans it's a lot of like tom fuller if you guys haven't listened to bonnie and clyde like it's i know it's six hours but like it's a it's an adventure yeah please go do yourself a favor and just dive in now because in six hours from now you're gonna be so glad you did like that's just yeah. what's gonna happen you're gonna be like wow it's, it's a whole story and it yeah, and it's one of those like every iteration every movie every tv show every adaptation of bonnie and clyde that has ever existed has either tried to paint bonnie and clyde as heroes or yes. as psychopaths and same with the they're posse. Either. They're either arrogant or they're heroes. Yeah. And neither are correct. They're both just people. Yeah. But people, I guess that, that there's no Hollywood glam to yeah. just people. You to need, people suffering. You need someone to root for. Like you said, there's no yeah. bad guy and there's no good guy. You really, it's weird because you do get, I feel like, to the end of the story. And I, I'm like, oh, no spoilers, but we are literally in a spoiler <laughs> episode. So, I mean, you get to the end of the story and they, you know, get shot down and they die. And, like, it's not like you're happy for the police. And it's also not yeah. like you're sad that they're dead because you're like, they also, like, they did need to be stopped. So it's like a very weird feeling of, like, there's no, like, real satisfaction with it. It's kind of, like, sad that they're dead. But, like, you're like, I mean, you kind of yeah. had it coming, guys. But also, like, did these people really need to unload six pistols, a shotgun, and a rifle, like, three apiece into their car? Like, that's a lie, guys. It's some overkill. Yeah, it's like, yeah, their, their death was definitely overkill. Was it necessary? Maybe. It might have been. Because, like, if they hadn't unloaded every single gun that they owned, would they have survived? <laughs> Possibly, because they were jammy. Yeah. And they just survived everything until that point. Yeah. And it's, you know, like, did they deserve to die in that way? Maybe not. Maybe they should have been arrested and put in the electric chair. Maybe that would have been someone's form of justice. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, it was, it was all... But, like, what got them in trouble was all of these, like, murder warrants. But the first murder warrant that got them in trouble wasn't even real. So it's just a constant cycle of a shitty hand got dealt and they dealt a shitty hand back. Yeah. So, I mean, I know, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really strange one. And I think they do deserve to have their story told properly, not as romantic heroes or, you know, vigilantes of Texas or psychopaths, murderers, you know, just monsters. I think they deserve to have their story told as people, but I don't think that Hollywood will ever give them a people's story. Mm-mm. People's stories don't sell in Hollywood, like you said. There's just no glam yeah. behind it. No, and then, like, the shenaniganry, people will be like, I don't believe that. That's so unrealistic. And it's it was. so true. It's very unrealistic, but it happened. Yeah. There's records, there's newspapers, there's evidence. And But it's just it's just a story where it's not, it's not romantic, it's not inspiring, it's not two kids versus the world, it's six kids versus a really corrupt police system and some people who really wanted some easy money. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Bonnie and Clyde. I did have one more note going on the movie thing. Yeah. Uh, my last thing that I said that was wrong, I said Warren Beatty was um, 
the director mm-hmm. of the Bonnie and Clyde movie, and he was chatting with people. He was not the director of the Bonnie and Clyde movie. He was the lead actor. Oh. He was a director. He was a director. Oh, okay. But he was not the director of this movie. He was just... He was he was going to be Clyde. Oh, okay. In the movie. So that was my, my thing. I think my, my slap happiness was really taking a toll on me on that point. <laughs> that is okay. We, we all corrected it, which means it's all okay in the end, you know? That's it. That, that's all of my notes for Bonnie and Clyde. That's my... Because I think the story speaks for itself. Was there anything that you wanted to address for Bonnie and Clyde? No, for this one, I really didn't have any questions or anything that got left unanswered. It was, it was a pretty open and shut case. It was just something I was really happy to add into my knowledge arsenal. Really, I think this is a great story to add onto the spookery shelf, truly. Yeah, I think me talking for six hours uninterrupted leaves very little to ask questions. It's true. You were very <laughs> thorough, ma'am. I, I was very you. thorough. Um, there's no updates on whether or not their graves are being put back together. I think that was one of the questions that somebody asked me. Um, there's no movement in that. I think it's still under talk, but I think it's also it's such an old case and... Yeah. You know, everyone thinks about the, the romantic part. Nobody thinks about where they actually are. So maybe we'll see updates in our lifetime, but as of right now, there's no movement. There's no change to Bonnie and Clyde being put back together in death. They're still separated. He's with Buck. Or Marvin, as I said. <laughs> Marvin. And and uh, Bonnie is um, at her own grave. Gotcha. Well, yeah. Beautiful ending to truly just a beautiful, valid, like you said, beautiful three-parter. So thank yeah. you for taking us on this wild ride, man. Yeah, I can't wait to see what my three-parter in season two is going to be. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming, guys. Stay Stay tuned. <laughs> and we're going straight into episode eight, which is the <laughs> the tale of the tailypo. I, I buffered. I'm sorry. Uh, That's the, okay. The tale of the tailypo. <laughs> so uh, this also was a really fun episode from my perspective to be able to do. It was one that was very personal to me because, like, I literally heard this story as a child. So it was like bringing up like a, a cherished childhood memory with you and all of our wonderful spooky listeners. So it was really cool, and we also kind of got to dive into like other people's childhood and hear their versions of Taylor Poe and things like oh, that. Yeah. So, I, oh yeah, this this is the episode that we got the most people coming at us just like guys i heard this story or i've never heard this story but it was really cool yeah like i loved your drawing i hated your drawing your drawing was kind of cool have you seen this drawing and it was like yes oh my gosh (laughs) this was this was the episode that really did spark i feel like just the most interest in Mm. in spookery in general this is our most listened to episode. Wow. For reference. That's like, crazy. If you, if you count all of the, the downloads of the podcast, all of our YouTube hits, everything, this is the most listened to episode. It's our shortest episode, <laughs> which I think is so funny. It's our most listened to. This is the one we got the most, like, people feedback. This is the one we got the most emails, most questions, most, like, people contributing. It was a really... This was an awesome episode. I loved this episode. Man, I'm just... It means so much that it was so well-received. Like I said, this is just an episode that is so near and dear to my heart. And to have so many other people connect with it in that way is just like, oh, you couldn't ask for anything better. So... Before we get too far into the actual story of the Taylor Poe, though, I do want to just talk about my one little slip, my one little correction here. Um, I uh, misdated uh, the publishing date of a book. So Joanna C. Caldone is the one who wrote the child 
Taylor Poe book that we talked about, the Taylor Poe, a ghost story, which mm-hmm. may or may not actually be suitable for children. I'll let you decide. Um, but I believe that I said that that was published in 1880, 1984. I think that's what I said. Here I am getting it wrong again. Um, but it was actually <laughs> published in 1977. So there you go. I wanted to correct that and just make sure that that was on the record. So thank you so much, Joanna, for cursing my childhood with this um, all the way dating back to, you know, with children of 1977. And here we are, 2023, still cursing children today. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, this, I, I think I said, I, I said it, I've, I've said it this episode, um, your cults episode was the one that haunted me the most, that's a lie, this is the one, <laughs> this is the episode that haunted me, I could not stop thinking about this, and this, this episode triggered some sort of conspiracy theory in my family, in, in my personal history, I went on, I went on an adventure after oh. this episode came out because it was cycling, so I think I, I mentioned during the Taily Poe episode, I have heard the Taily Poe story, but I heard a different version. The Toe. The Taily Poe story. The Toe episode. Yeah, the Toe. <laughs> the Taily Toe. The Taily Toe. That's what it is. I'm like, not the Toe Poe. That's stupid. The Toe Toe. No. I I had heard, yeah, I'd heard a version about a family or, or a kid eating a toe. Yes. And then someone going, you ate my toe. Give me back my toe. Yes. And it was like, I was, I was churning in yeah. my head. Like, what is where is the story that I heard yeah and then I think it was like four days after the episode came out it hit me like a bolt of lightning I was like I remember where I heard my story and I actually was taken back to the moment I heard it I knew exactly where I was I was in my school cafeteria yes oh when I was in elementary yes that's that's (laughs) the memories we were trying to dig to hit yes this is a repressed memory and there was uh, I did not grow up in the States, as, we have, as we've mentioned a couple of times. I grew up uh, abroad, and I was I went to a lot of international schools as a kid, and mm-hmm. there was this book that was passed around. All these other international kids, all these, you know, these expat kids, and were like, oh, have you heard of this book? There's a book. You should read this book. It's a really scoop, a scary book. And I was an elementary kid, and I was like, I love scary books. <laughs> <laughs> man! Not knowing what a scary book was. Yeah. Oh, man. And... I remember holding the book. I remember the cover. I remember the pages. I remember everything about this book. I remember the cafeteria layout. I was eating a fruit roll-up at the time I was handed this book. This is how vivid this memory is This is me. amazing. And one of my classmates handed me the book, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yes! Yes! Oh, yes! I love that book! So, all of you who have these repressed memories of this story where it's like it's familiar but I can't quite place it because we got a couple of those yeah the version my version of the story the toe version of the story is from scary stories to tell in the dark that book oh wow it is it is a very short story it's about a family that finds a toe in their garden and they're like hmm that sounds delicious let's put that in a stew and eat that all up yeah they eat the stew and then a person who was just happened to be buried in that back garden was like hey that's mine. Uh, and then knocks on their door and tries to get them. And they're like, oh, no, we ate the toe. And then they all die. Huh. And that's the story. All right. It's even, it's, it, but it's it's one of those, like, it's such a, like, an inconsequential story. It's literally, like, pushed to the side. It's yeah. like, it's not even the biggest story in that book that I remember. Yeah. But that's the one that now haunts me. <laughs> that story is even in the 2019 movie, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Have you seen that movie? 
No. Me neither. We need, to, we need to watch it. Okay. Add that to Adding the list. it to the things of we need to watch. <laughs> yes. But that story, the Toe story, is literally in the 2019 movie. It's one of the first, like, I think it's like the second story that comes up in the thing. And it's literally a kid eats stew. And then he, like, it takes a big old heckin' mouthful. Then looks in the pot and there's, like, a fucking eyeball or something floating in the stew. And he's like, well, that looks like a problem. Oh. And then he gets heckin' murked. All and right. it's just like, okay, yeah. Like, but that's it. That's it. It was like one of these repressed memories. I knew the scary stories. And I bet you the scary stories is newer than the Taylipo. I'm sure it took a lot of inspiration yeah. from the Taylipo. So that is my personal connection. But wait, there's yeah. more. Yes! There's more personal oh. trauma that I've got to skim off the story because I am haunted by the Taylipo. <laughs> Lay it on me, baby. <laughs> So the weirdest thing that came out of this episode is not only me going through my fruit roll-up repression dreams. Yes. But the fact that my dad looked at me after he heard the episode and he's like, I know that story, but I didn't tell it to you. Which added a whole other like, layer of like... Why did that give of, me like, chills? Like, why did that give me actual chills? What the fuck? <laughs> Isn't that so... My, me and my dad have a shared repressed memory that is unrelated and I think he, I think he, if I remember correctly, he knew the toe version as well, but he didn't tell it to me because I remember I found mine in a book. Yeah. But he had heard a version. I don't know, I don't know if he heard the toe version or the Taily Poe version or a, a, a completely third tangent story. Yeah. But he knew the story. And all of those memories came back to him when he was a kid listening to radio uh, dramas. Like on his own in his room. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, there was this um, kid, like, it was like a, I'm gonna absolutely push the name. I'm sorry, Dad. I think his name was David White. Yes, I think it was, I don't know. Dad, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you said that you listened to a radio show when you were younger, um, which was narrated by a guy called David White. And he was a, a num- numerous of, of stories about, you know, everything, everything and everything in between. But one of the and he wasn't even sure if this is where it came from. But this is the the memory that it triggered. Yeah, was him listening to David White and okay. hearing the story, which may or may not be true. But that was part of the memory. Is he was listening to radio, and he heard the story. But the fact that my dad had this repressed memory and didn't tell me, and was triggered by the Taylor Poe that I had also heard this story that I didn't hear from my dad or my mom. But I got in a cafeteria, little yeah. black bound book. Uh, so there you go. There's this really weird haunting story. But we also got a bunch of emails from a lot of beautiful people being like, I know this story. Yeah. And like my grandmother told me the story or my oh, this person told me the story or I heard this version or I heard this version. It was so cool. And, and I just went into like, a I don't know, I, I lost my mind because... I was like, everyone knows the story, but nobody knows the story. No, like you said, it's so weird how it lives in, like, the psyches of everyone across the globe. This is not even, like, mm-hmm. something that's just, like, oh, yeah. relative to certain regions, certain certain countries. Yeah, it's not... It's not an Appalachian story. No. It's not a it's not a United States story because some of the people that we got emails from aren't in the States. I'm not from the States. Exactly. I didn't hear the story in the States. Exactly. No, this is so. definitely a weird story that just I don't know. I don't know where it actually truly originated from and how it has circulated, how it has. But like you said, I feel like the minute people are reminded that they know it, it triggers these like weird it might take a few days, but it triggers yeah, these like weird and you're just like, huh? How do I know this? And then it just comes to you. <laughs> yeah. It's- Who told me the story? Did I tell myself the story? Did it appear in my dreams? Maybe. So oh there my. you go. There's there's my 
horrifying personal connection to the Chaley Po, as I promised. But it's not the story that I grew up with, but it's a story that I knew, that I didn't realize I knew until the end of the story. Yeah. Wow. Um, no, I'm really yeah. glad you, you were able to remember that and pull that memory out, because that's, <laughs> that's wicked. Wow. Oh, man. Man, oh, man. I also want to give a huge shout out to um, one of the people who emailed me uh, about this. Mm-hmm. And it was, I'm going to absolutely butcher your name, and I'm so, so sorry. Um, but we got, we actually got two emails from this person. Uh, Gina Denofa, I think yes, I Yes, I was going to bring her up too. I, did you watch uh, her story? I did. As yes! soon as she emailed me, I sat down. I So for those of you... Okay, so Gina Denofa emailed us, like, I'm going to say, like, two days after the episode came out. And and Gina was amazing. And she was like, guys, this episode was really fun. I loved it. I have my own version of the Taily Post story that I'm retelling. And I'd love for you guys to check it out. And she sent us a, a YouTube link and a written uh, version of the story. And it's a full retelling and narration of her own personal like Taily Post story and it's incredible I don't want to spoil it for you guys no. but I really want you guys to, to listen to it because the narration is great the editing is great the story is really really cool it is I think it, it's, it talks about some of the things I talk about at the end of the episode where you know you, what you change about the main character yes. and how the perspective changes it's really cool so I'll link that down below huge shout out to G- uh, Gina um, that was the first email Gina sent to us she also then sent us an email, I'm going to say a couple days ago, from the point of this recording. Um, and she had actually commissioned someone to draw her version of the Telepo, and she sent it to us. It's incredible. So I want to shout out the artist as well. And I'll post their, their stuff down. Skekla, I believe is their name. Um, S-K-E-K-L-A. I believe that's how you Instagram. pronounce it. That's how I would say it too. Skekla. They did an amazing job. I'm also going to post that down below. It's going to be in the description. Please go check out this amazing art. It's it's, it's one of those where like everyone has like this combined image of what yes. the tiny pole looks like. Skekla did an incredible job. Gina did an incredible job. Give them both all the love. Um, so huge shout out to both of them, guys. They 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 did it. They did it. <laughs> they yeah. did the damn thing. Oh my gosh, her story really. I was truly like just I I was blown away by it like you said I'm like not gonna spoil anything but it is a great great retelling of it a a great twist on an old retelling it's not like I don't know I I was like okay maybe she's just gonna put a new coat of paint on this like old story but she just completely took it and made it her own and I was like wow bravo like I just like wanted to stand up and do a slow clap like it was it was real well done so oh I was captivated as soon as I play as I can't play like I I think it went by in like seconds I was like so into it and it ended I was like wait no like I need to know (laughs) more. it's so true oh man yeah definitely definitely recommend 11 out of 10 Oh, at least a 12. At least a 12. At least a 12. Yeah, what am I thinking? At least a 12. Least. Oh. I also have one more thing. Oh, for this thing. yes. I have one more thing for Taylor Poe. And it went along with my fruit roll-up suppression things and <laughs> all these amazing emails. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Uh, so I was really thinking about the Taylor Poe, because my version of a Taylor Poe is a haunted worm on a string. As we've all seen from my beautiful <laughs> drawing on Instagram and on a... It's just, it's out there. Yeah. But I got really thinking about the environment, which we talked about in the episode. I got really thinking about, like, what kind of animal would have thick black fur? It's basically an an abomination worm on a string. How would this work? And then my brain was like, maybe it's not a worm on a string. Maybe it's it's something else. So I kind of, like, really pulled my brain together. And I was thinking about what kind of animals exist out in the world that kind of match how I think about a tailipo, but are more... 
like fit with the environment. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've I've done it. I figured out what the telepo is. What is the telepo? I've solved it. I'm scared. So, allow me to present my argument. The telepo is a mud skipper. A mud skipper? Can I let me a mud let me confirm? Please look up. Please feel free to look up the mud skipper. It's a fish. And that's my it's that's my impersonation of a mud skipper. <laughs> <laughs> the, fa- the the shocked face I just made while looking up what a mud yes. skipper was. It was it's, it, well. it's a fish. It's a fish that walks on land. Which is why it's called a mud skipper. It's like a it. fish that lives I think it's in ponds and in lakes. But when the water dries up, when the temperature rises, when it evaporates, it will literally get up and walk to a new water source. But why doesn't it just find a good water source? Because maybe the and the, the biome that it lives in doesn't allow for that. Maybe the big water sources that it lives part of its life in is filled with even nastier things than the mudskipper. I don't. I'm not an expert on the mudskipper personally. I just saw an aesthetic and I went for it. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I have a lot of questions about this mudskipper now. But can you imagine if you don't know what a mudskipper is? If you're not a native to the area, or perhaps you're not used to this sort of thing, you've just moved there, and here's this slimy all tail with a mouth and little fins on the side just scuttling along the road going who knows where making horrific noises because it can't breathe <laughs> like oh, when God. I think like what a tailypo would look like I didn't think it had back legs I thought it had two front legs and a mouth which basically I no had a fuzzy legs. mud skipper is what I drew so can you like they kind of fits the description right it's all tail like, does it? Do I think that the head of a mudskipper is coming to haunt somebody? No, but maybe someone had a nightmare about the, just the head of a mudskipper. <laughs> the head of a mudskipper, man, that was not the the theory that I thought was going to be laid on me tonight. Was that? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So there you go. There's my my. I'm Taylor throwing my hat into the ring. I I wonder if the Taylor Poe is just a mudskipper. Is it environmentally wow. accurate? I don't know. I don't know. Do I think really, mudskippers are going around hunting people and scaring dogs away? <laughs> Probably not. But I like the idea that the mudskipper is the inspiration for the tailypo because can you imagine some per- some person who doesn't know that that's a thing and just sees fish getting up out of the water and scurrying away? It's like, well, that happened. I mean, I'm terrified by it, so I, I think this is a really good theory. And if I saw this thing just hobbling toward me, I would shoot it with my hatchet. So. Shoot it with your hatchet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that this guy didn't have a gun and he only had a hatchet and he just swung at it. <laughs> I would throw my so, hatchet. There you go. So there's something to think about is maybe the tailypo is just a mud skipper. Man. That's you're blowing my mind with this. Go. How big can these things get? I have no idea. But my my expertise on aquatic life exists only to the point where like it's a here's a fun fact about it and here's what it looks like and beyond that I don't know anything. It's the same with the Humboldt squid that I brought up in the Bermuda Triangle episode. <laughs> I'm like, here's a squid. Here's a fun fact about it. Don't ask me any further questions. I cannot answer them. I have only I will have limited it space exists. for aquatic marine life. <laughs> That's fair, and I appreciate your honesty. I will do some follow-up research, and we're going to have a whole recap <laughs> About episode strictly dedicated to this theory. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to be called Mud Skipper the Musical. <laughs> <laughs> Mud Skipper. It's in, it's in production already, folks. By the time this episode yeah. airs, you'll 
You'll hear there me hearing about it. There was gonna be a tap number, but we couldn't fit the shoes on the fish. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I hate this cursed <laughs> image. Oh my gosh. Uh, mud, mud skippers. This is... I'm still taking yeah, a minute. I'm like, I'm, I'm no, I have no more for Taylor Poe. I'm ready to move on, but I'm not ready to move on in general. I'm not emotionally that's ready fair, to move that's on. That's fair. Everyone take a moment and just process what a mud skipper entails, and uh, we'll leave it at that. That's the only... Uh, it's not a helpful contribution to the recap, but I just thought I would bring it up. Because <laughs> it's been haunting me. This case haunts me. I think it will continue to haunt me. Oh, that's what it's meant to do. And I'm, I'm glad it's done its job. Yeah, even in season two. I'm gonna throw more fun Telepo theories at you because it lives rent-free in my mind. Right. <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, uh, we go take a break uh, from some t- from the Telepo and Tap Shoe <laughs> incident. Uh, yes, <laughs> I think this is a really good place to, to call... I guess our part one of our recap, because I'm looking at the time. This this feels like a good place to, to cut it so we're not going over and we can give the, the rest of the episodes the time that they deserve. Um, yeah. Man. I can't... This recap, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, wild. Uh, like Just like we said, page numbers are irrelevant. This page numbers are irrelevant. <laughs> page was a script and a half. <laughs> wild. Um... Man, well, thank you guys for coming to our part one of our recap. We will have the the next episode coming out next week as our as our usual. Um, we will be discussing episodes 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Yes. Um, we'll give them the time that they deserve. Um, thank you guys so much for coming to our, I guess, our first part, our first half. Um, postmortem part one. Postmortem part one. <laughs> Season one, postmortem part one. Yeah. Try saying that three times. Uh, I could not. Yeah, this this I think this went on a lot longer than I was expecting based on the amount of notes that I had for each episode. But I've loved it. This has been a great. It's been great to go down memory lane again. Like truly revisiting all of these cases. If you guys haven't listened to these, or you like, it's been a hot minute. Like it has for us. Like let's go listen to them. Let's listen to them again because they're they stand alone like that that's it they're they're there forever they're always gonna be there for you guys so they are and if you already listened to them share them with a friend make your friend listen to them and be like hey listen to this so we can freaking talk about it just like how me and yeah. lady are doing right now that's what you need is Jeez. just one other person yeah and i think yeah like what you'll what you might find that they have completely different perspectives on certain cases where like actually i don't agree with moody blues being great we should talk about something else and i'm like okay <laughs> i actually do know buddy hill but oh yeah buddy hill buddy hill's lesser known brother <laughs> exactly so go out and find your spookery partner start theorizing today yeah and thank you guys thank you for coming with us on this wild journey we'll be back next week with part two yes um you can find us on all of our socials. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube at Spookery Podcast. You can send us a Gmail, spookerypodcast at gmail.com. You sure can. Yeah, reach out to us. We love to hear from you guys. Yeah, send us your stories. Send us your, your thoughts, your feelings. Even if even though the, the, this part of the recap is over and, and part two is coming out next week, you can never stop sending us your own theories, your thoughts, your feelings. Because just because it's not in a recap doesn't mean that we can't talk about it later on. I'm sure I'm going to revisit the Ouija boards because Hasbro's up to something. I can feel it. Yeah, that's in the bones. Yeah. If you guys know the, the solution to Blue Fire, let us know. If you guys know about the mysterious third Erdington murder that's happening 150 years from now, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Oh man. Yes. Again, thank you guys for coming to part one postmortem. Until next time. 
Stay spooky, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye. Goodbye. That'll line up in post. Beautiful. Don't worry. It's beautiful. We did that wonderfully. No one will ever know. No one will no. ever know.